Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi here as always with Nima Tavali. So there we have it. The 2022-23 Serie A season is now over. Well, almost over. <laughs> there is still a, a playout to be played this weekend to decide who will be the final team relegated from Serie A into Serie B. But the final match day of the, the Serie A season uh, has been played this, this past weekend and there is so much to talk about today. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in, um, but the, the European places have, have all been settled. The, the final relegation place, as I said, will be decided in a one-match playout, but it was an absolutely thrilling uh match day with regards to Spezia Spezia's game and uh, Verona's game it was it was um <laughs> it was on the line right until the the final seconds of of those matches um, but it will go to a play out so we're going to discuss that uh, that thrilling that thrilling match day um we also have some legends of the game playing their their final matches before before leaving uh, or before retiring um so we're going to discuss about that the futures of a, a number of Serie A coaches. Um, some seem to have been resolved, uh, others not. So we're going to be talking about all the all the coaching uh, carousel in, in Serie A. Uh, we'll also preview the Conference League final, um, which takes place on Wednesday between Fiorentina and West Ham. And we will do our own Serie A awards for the season, the, the team of the season, the, the best and the worst throughout the league uh, for the course of this, this past season. So... There's lots and lots to talk about today, um, but for, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday reviewing the, the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast, receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all your questions that were sent in by you, the patrons, and the weekly Thursday midweek review show plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. Um, for all of you that are listening on Spotify, on iTunes, on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, we'd really appreciate uh, Give us a five-star rating, give us a follow, and, a, and subscribe to us as this really helps us to, to grow. Um, you can also check us out on YouTube uh, as well. We're on all the social media accounts as well. Okay, so there is so, so much to talk about, so we better get straight into it. So let's do that right now. Okay, right. Um, <laughs> where, where do, do we, we start? begin? <laughs> um, so, yeah, where do we begin? There is, there is so much to talk about today. So um, what we'll do is we, we won't talk too much about the last match day because for, for many of the games, they, there wasn't so much on the no. line, um, but there was in, in some matches. So we'll focus on those ones to start with. But um, just to sum up, the, the, the season ending, uh, sum up the table. So Napoli, of course, already champions. Um, they uh, they won 2 0 against Sampdoria in a game which didn't matter, but it was more about trophy presentation after the game, uh, where they were pre- presented the, the trophy and they did yet another celebration. Uh, they haven't done they haven't celebrated enough Napoli. So it was uh, De Laurentiis pulling out all the stops, um, fireworks, the. The, the 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 musical artists and oh it was it was an, another amazing spectacle now, yeah. wasn't it I mean it was, no, it's, they know, they how, know to how to party, party in, in, in Italy and they certainly know how to celebrate in the south of Italy I mean it was truly truly fantastic um, it's it, it it's was beautiful it was. To and see. It, it deserved more 
Yeah, it deserved more of the focus, but there was obviously other games which we'll, which we will come to. Lazio finished second after beating Empoli two 0 Fantastic uh, achievement. Inter finished third. Fantastic achievement. Though. Yeah, fantastic achievement. We're gonna we're gonna go through each team and we're gonna give a grade for each team um, based on the season. So we will be talking about their seasons uh, in a bit. Um, but yeah, just to continue the roundup of the final weekend, Inter third finished third after a one 0 win at Torino. Milan fourth after beating Verona. 3-1. Now, all the Champions League places were already decided since last week, so it was just about the placings. So those are the top four now. The Europa League positions weren't settled. Um, Atalanta and Roma both had to win to clinch that. Atalanta did that comfortably. They thrashed Monza 5-2. And Roma just about did it. They scored a last-minute penalty by Paolo Dybala to beat Spezia 2-1. And quite fitting that it was Dybala who left Juventus um, last year, went to Roma, and he scored the goal that... That, that got Rome in the Europa League place and made sure that Juventus, who had beaten Udinese 1-0 and were about to take Roma's place, at least temporarily, because um, as we've said on this show, it's, it's in, according to my information, it's almost certain Juventus are going to get a, a European ban. But for now, Juventus are in a Conference League place. Eighth place, Fiorentina. Of course, they could still make Europe. They're in the, they're in the Conference League final, which we'll come to on Wednesday. Uh, Bologna ninth. They had a 96th-minute winner, uh, to beat Lecce 3-2 and the rest of the table just to read it through for you Torino 10th Monza 11th Udinese 12th Sassuolo 13th Empoli 14th Salernitana 15th Lecce 16th then we come to the relegation spot Sampdoria and Cremonese of course already relegated and we will have a play out between Spezia and Vona after they both lost dramatic games there we will have we have a segment coming on that very very shortly so we'll hold that for now Capocannonieri goes to Victor Ossiman, 26 goals he scored. He scored again uh, against Sampdoria. Uh, Lautaro second in the Capocannonieri uh, rankings, 21 goals. And Bulaidia, 16 goals from Salernitana. Uh, and of course, all the goodbyes um, to, a, to a number of stars. Zlatan retiring. We've got a segment coming on him in a minute. Um, Fabio Qualirella, certainly his final Serie A game of his career at Napoli. That was very, very moving um, as well. Um, and then, you know, a number of players and, and staff having their final goodbyes. Luciano Spalletti, he's gone. Um, Victor Ossiman and Kim Min-Jay, was that their final games for Napoli? Marco Arnautovic, his final game for Bologna. Destiny Odoji, final game for Udinese. Angel Di Maria came on as a sub for Juventus, his final game. Um, Milan Skriniar for Inter, although he didn't play. So, yeah, the final Serie A games for, for a lot of uh, big names and, and, and legends. But no more big that are they than Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So this is I want to commemorate Zlatan's career because this was him his retirement, Nimmo, wasn't it? Yes, it was. He he didn't he retired from football um, in without telling anyone else. Not even his family knew, and he decided it on his own. And he walks out there and says that this is my goodbye to football, um, which makes it uh, which made it all very. Very Zlatan way to do to end things, uh, to to basically, you know, do it on his terms, um, like he's done his entire career. He just never really cared what anyone thought or or, or, or thinks about anything. He just does does it his way, um, and so we saw him come out there, and you know, everyone, no one knew what to expect, uh, and you saw what it meant to people. Um, I think Zlatan has. It was. I think it was fitting that he ended it. He ended his career at Milan, where he is truly loved. 
He's respected at Barcelona. He's respected at Juve. He's respected at Inter, United, LA Galaxy, PSG. But he's not loved like that. He is loved at Milan, and you saw that. And so I think it's incredibly fitting, you know, to see Sandro Tonali crying, to see everyone at that stadium with tears in their eyes, that and him as well. That was genuine. That's where he was most loved. That's where he felt the most at home. He even said so when he returned from Barcelona back to Italy. He said, you know, Milan gave me the smile on my face back. He really, really <clears throat> enjoyed life there. And even when he, <clears throat> even, you know, when he left Milan and, you know, when he came back to Milan more than anything, you know, like he said, when, you know, when I returned, you gave me love. Because when he came back, that pretty much spring the beginning of the end of Milan's banter era. It was from that point on that Milan raised uh, La Sticella, as they say in Italy. They raised everything. Every player took... He was the catalyst to raise Milan out of their decade-long um, slum, uh, slumber and, and banter era, quote-unquote. And... We, the results speak for themselves. Seventh, second, first, fourth. Those are the results ever since Milan came back. And for that, he he is loved and he will be loved forever at Milan. And I think that he will now be a, you know, he, he, will, he will go down as a Milan legend. He will go down as one of the most important people and characters, players in Milan's history. Not maybe perhaps for the important trophies that they won, but for the importance in bringing Milan back to where Milan needs to be. Um, and I think we'll see him now in some role for Milan, because I can't think of a better ambassador for Milan than Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, and what an amazing goodbye wow. as well. I mean, no, look, the, Italy the, is... the, the choreography, the banner, I mean, the, the, that was just that was just beautiful, genius. I mean... What to buy? I mean, the play on words. That is, I mean, it was simple, but but so so powerful. Look, and, Serie A is the best. Uh, not Serie A. Italian football is the best at their at praising their heroes. No one does it in Italy. They they never forget who their heroes are, and they always pray. They they praise them in a way that no one else comes close in football, in my opinion. You know, just go. I mean, I was there when when Zanetti had his retirement. I was there when, or, or, you know, I was there when, when, when Zanetti was, was his goodbye and that entire night and atmosphere around that was just un unreal. Francesco Totti, those immortal words, those is that immortal sending off. That is just unbelievable. De Rossi's goodbye. You know, it's, it's just Italians. No one does it like Italians when it comes to goodbyes and praising their heroes. And I think that's one of the aspects of Italian football that I truly love, love the most. And I think is unique. Yeah, for sure. And of course, Latin's career as a whole, just away from, away from Milan is, I mean, is legendary. Uh, I mean, over 500 career club goals, only 13 players in history of football have scored more goals than, than Zlatan, which, which says it all. And I had a look, little look through that list um, earlier today. And, I mean, he would be top 10. There's a, there's a few 
there's a few players from Northern Ireland who scored all their goals in the Northern Irish League that are, that are in that list. So that tells you kind of where Zlatan is in the in the the pantheon of of, of attacking greats in terms of certainly in terms of longevity, um, which is incredible. I mean, this is someone who made his debut. He made his debut in 1999. He's been playing for four different decades. <laughs> four different decades. I mean, that's insane. That's the thing I wanted to that I think is the most impressive. He scored in four different decades. Um, and that's, that's the thing that I, you know, Zlatan is not, in the same category as Maradona, Pelé, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, Zinedine Zidane, and so on. He's, he's not in that, in, that, um, in that category, and I think he would admit to that himself because he never reached those heights in terms of height at the level. But what he did do, which no other outfield player has done at that level, at this high level, is the longevity. At 40 years of age... For an attacker... For an attacker, definitely. I mean, for an attacker. I mean, we've had, yeah, we've had defend, a few, we've defenders, had a few defenders, yeah, a few defenders yeah, that have done it, yeah. yeah like Maldini, Maldini yeah. for example. But, but, but for an attacker, yeah, I don't think there's nobody that's had the longevity as an attacker at the highest level as he had. I mean, you've got to remember, this is somebody who, at the age of 40, to think at 40, he was still playing a pivotal role in Milan yeah, and Scudetto. Which, you know, the first half of last season, he was, he was pivotal. And then obviously more off the pitch in the second half of the season. But... You know, I think, I mean, that, 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 that's incredible. And I mean, after Messi and Ronaldo, I think he has been the most consistent player in yeah. terms of longevity of, the, yeah. of, of his generation, yeah. of his generation. Yeah. I think, I think of, of that generation, generation. The last, say, 15 yeah, years. Yeah, I think of that generation, he is, he is a distant, but he is a clear third behind them. Um, and I mean, his league winning record is, is unbelievable. I mean, he actually had a streak of one point of winning 12 league titles yeah. in a row. <laughs> which was, I mean, it's just insane. I mean, his one disappointment, we have spoken about this on the show today, his one disappointment was the Champions League. He never quite did it in the Champions League knockout stages. And internationally, obviously, he but, wasn't playing for the strongest nation, so you can't really hold that but against him. But, but His idol, Ronaldo, I mean, he joins his two idols, Maradona and Ronaldo, in never really succeeding in the European Cup Champions League. Um, and, of course, being yeah. from Sweden, he had zero chance uh, of doing anything uh, in in European competitions, but this or international competitions. But despite that, and also that Swedish team, where he had he had his greatest period in a when Sweden had some of his the weakest Swedish sides I've you know I, I can remember. Sweden's biggest chance was in two thousand four mm. in the Euros when Jungberg, Henrik Larsson, and Ibrahimovic were 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 all kind of. They all their peak kind of somewhat coincided with one another, um, and in, you know he was injured mm. in the World Cup two thousand six. Uh, so, look, it's but at the same time he was the first player to score two goals in three consecutive European Euro, Euro, European Championships. Obviously, Ronaldo bettered that, mm. but no, look, it's his legacy is 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 truly unique. Because of the player that he was, the the player that you know in Brazil they combine capoeira with football, you know that kind of training the, the the martial arts. But he did it with taekwondo. Zlatan married mm. taekwondo and football, which in in a unique way. Um, and what and he raised you know if you look at the most 
Well, we saw that in many of his exactly. greatest moments. I mean, I, I've just noted down here what are yeah. his greatest moments of his career, and a lot of them are taekwondo esque yeah. goals. I mean, the scorpion kick nice. for Inter, the, that overhead kick for for Sweden versus yeah. England, which I think is probably the goal of his oh, career. Yeah, well, um, I mean, that was just insane. I mean, overhead kick from not near the halfway <laughs> line um, <laughs> when that when he scored those four goals. In 2012, um, I mean, the goal versus Italy in 2004 was, was acrobatically another kind of work of art, really, the way that he twisted his body. Um, so, I mean, those are all, those all back that up. Um, but, I mean, he's had so many great moments in his career. I mean, the solo goal he scored for Ajax against uh, NAC Breda was insane. Winning um, the Capo Cannoniero and, with a back heel. Know, I mean, if, if Francesco Totti yeah. is always, for me, linked with Cucchiaio, the lob. That's that's Totti. Equally, Zlatan is the back heel. I mean, the, some of the most amazing goals, he, mm. he, he scored with back heeled goals, and not just one uh, or two. The back heel, it, it, that's his, that was his you know, superhero speciality, uh, the same way that Francesco Totti with the lob, the palonetto, the Cucchiaio. It was, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's truly, truly remarkable. Um, and it feels a bit surreal, even though we all knew this day was coming. But I've spoken to people who, on, uh, in Sweden, who all support all, kind, all, all sorts of teams. And they're like, it's a little bit of disbelief that, you know, he's been around for so long that it feels surreal that he no longer plays football anymore. Uh, it, it, it's the, the, he leaves a, a legacy and a void that is truly, truly remarkable and unique. The character he was unique, definitely. I mean, his skill set was unique. I mean, the, I mean, someone that that big, six foot five, but to have the technical quality of someone that you know half his size. I mean, that is that is amazing. And his, and yeah, his personality for sure. I mean, he is one of the biggest personalities we have seen ever seen in the game. I mean, like, you don't get characters like that anymore in modern football. They're all media trained. They're all robots. They saw that totally yesterday as well and, when Hellas Verona started booing and he immediately in the middle of his speech and say, come on, go on, boo, boo. This is the greatest night of your year yeah. seeing me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, totally unique. I mean, you just don't get, you just don't get those, those personalities now. They're all, they're all just media so trained and scripted and, and actually, and actually quite and actually quite yes yeah, Santos and actually quite boring quite boring um you know and he and and yeah just just boring the 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 the, the, the modern footballer is generally quite and boring and, and, and you know there is a and, and just from um like from in the Swedish context there truly is a Sweden as a country before and after Zlatan Ibrahimovic I don't think you can it's so difficult to explain in words I know that he's not very happy about it because he didn't choose to be the symbol of a lot of things that people projected onto him. It just so happened that the stars aligned that the world's most famous Swede and the world's most popular sport became a immigrant from a working class poor area in Rosengård, which prompted a lot of establishment Swedes having to having to come to terms with what Sweden is and who, what Sweden as a country was and is. 
And he challenged that just by existing and just by being unapologetic about who he was and where he came from. He's never changed who he is. He's still the same. He's still that guy. He's never adapted to try to be anything. He is, he's, as he says himself, I'm, I'm still the ghetto kid, like the attitude he has and how he talks. He's still that kid. He's not tried to be anything else than he isn't. And that's forced a lot of people in this country to have to come to terms with what is Sweden? And what is Swedishness, which is unique. Mm -hmm. I can't think of many, very many other examples in footballing history where one person has an entire country had to come to terms with who they are just by existing. Um, even though in a very political context, even though he didn't, he never tried it to be a political he never tried to be political during his career. Towards the end, he finally started speaking about it um, when protecting Dejan Kulusevski above all uh, in the Swedish national team. But that that is unique as well. I can't think of very many other countries where a player has, just by existing because of his background, polarized the country the way that he did. And it's truly, truly remarkable to see to see all of that play out and, and the door that he kicked open. He didn't open them. He kicked open doors for players like Kulusevski, for Alexander Isak, for all these other players with non-Swedish names, traditionally ethnic Swedish names and backgrounds. That is something that the gratitude and debt that is owed to him is, is unbelievable. It's, it's just, you can't measure it in words. For sure, for sure. Okay, we're, we're talking of unique, um, the relegation race in, in Serie A is certainly unique this season because it will be decided um, by a playout after an absolutely dramatic, thrilling final day. I was I was watching both yeah, of these too. games uh, at the same time simultaneously. Uh, I had I had um, on 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 the TV. I had um, Milan against Verona on. And on the on my on my phone, I had uh, Roma versus Spezia on, and um, it it really was, um, yeah, it ebbed and flowed. Uh, at one moment, it was Ro it was Spezia staying up, then it was Verona, and then and then right in the last minute, I mean, it was. Uh, we went into this game just to be clear. Both of the teams were on thirty one points. Um, Spezia away at Roma, Verona away at Milan. Um, and they both ended up losing. Um, so it goes to a playout being played this Sunday, but that only tells half of the story, doesn't it? No, this incredible day. <laughs> no, look, Verona, Verona weren't really ever close to shaking Milan at all. But Spezia took the lead against Roma um, and looked good measure to, to, to actually be able to pull it off. Um, but... Of course, Roma needed to win because at the same time Juventus were leading and Juventus would have been in the Europa League. Um, and of course, Roma would have been relegated to the Conference League again, which would have been an absolute, you know, that would have been a huge step back for them. So then Roma, of course, equalize and, and win on extra time. Um, it was, no, nah, it was it was crazy. Uh, it was drama. I mean, the game went on for what? How many minutes was it? 112 minutes? How, how long did it go on? 15 minutes, 15 minutes yes. injury time at the end. I don't know where he got the, I don't know where he got the extra time from. I, I, I stopped, his watch must have stopped or something. I don't know. But 
But um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was thrilling. I mean, there was everything in these in these games, uh, and they all seemed to happen simultaneously at the same time. Because I remember, as I made a note of this, with 18 minutes to go, um, Zakowski missed an open yeah. goal from an Unzola yeah. cross, which would have made it two one to to Spezia. Seconds later, literally about three seconds after that, Verona equalised from Farayoni to make yeah. it one all. So it, from one end to the other. It went from being Spezia basically having clinched uh, safety <laughs> to Verona being back on equal terms. Then with six minutes to go, Leal then scored to make it 2-1 to Milan. So Verona back to be relegated. Uh, and exact same moment, uh, Zoet, the Spezia goal, he made an absolutely miraculous save to make it, to, to, to keep it, uh, to keep the scores level, Spezia level. Um, and you think, okay, Spezia are going are gonna to be safe. And then in the 90th minute, Roma get a penalty. It's been debated. Was it a penalty? Was it not? Um, it wasn't the only debatable incident in both of these two games. I, I mean, I thought the Ngong penalty, at first I thought it was really harsh. And I rewatched it and I'm a little bit, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But it, I don't think it was clear cut, the, the penalty decision, that the, the first penalty that Milan got to go 1-0 up. Magnon, I think, should have been or definitely could have been sent off yeah. for taking Ngong out <laughs> uh, when he was cleared through. Um, I think that was probably definitely should have been should have been looked at for sure uh, by the VAR, uh, and then of course yeah that El Sharawi penalty award uh, which Dybala dispatched, which basically took us to a playout. Otherwise, Spezia would have been would have been safe, and even that I think I don't know is 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 there's definitely some debate over that as well. I think um, so. These games had everything, and if this is anything to go by, then this playout on. <laughs> On Sunday is going to be is going to be some some game, and it's a it's a ninety minute playout, isn't it, Nima? With with straight to penalties, is that correct? No extra time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not going to be any extra time. It's ninety minutes, one game, and if it's an if it's a draw at that point, then they go to penalties. Um, and it's going to be played at a mm. neutral venue. I'm hoping you know it's two northern sides, so I'm hoping they choose. You know, not Rome or something like that. Like they choose, you know, no, the San Siro or something. You know, just, just so there's like it's it's equally in the middle between Verona and, and La, Spe- La Spezia, so that they can fill the stadiums mm. out and, and and make it a quite the event. Because and I hope that both fan bases turn up. I mean, at least Spezia don't really have a fan base, but that Verona at least turn up because it's going to be a crazy, crazy game. Um, and it's uh, oh, I'm I'm loving it. Who do you, who's your money on? I think I think uh, I think Verona feel like they have been handed one here. Like they have they have literally escaped uh, hell um, with un, uh, with luck. And I think Spezia. I don't know. I, I feel hell. I think Hellas will 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 manage this. I think so. Mm. I really do. Yeah, it's hard it's to very, it's I, hard I think we're going to tell you what, I think we're going to penalties. I think we're going to penalties and I think Hellas will pull it off. I think that's possible. Yeah, I think that could be possible as well. I think so. I, and that will be will that be the first ever penalty shootout to decide I, a, a I team don't to the know. Hit? I think so. I've not looked it up, but yeah. I I I, could, I, I can't think, think of it either. recently. Maybe maybe further yeah. back. Maybe further back it was. Yeah. Okay, so we look forward to that then on on Sunday, and then that will be the end of the season. Let's have a little bit more of a step back now and look at the the season as a whole. So what I want to do is I want to go through each of the the major teams, and I want us to give a grade out of 10 
for, for, for each team of, of, of how they've done. Um, season as a whole, not just Serie A, okay. right? So, I mean, if you want to give a Serie A, if you want to give a Serie A mark as well, I know I saw you doing one for yeah. Inter yesterday. Um, if you want to do a Serie A one, you can, um, but uh, but let's, let's give a final mark. Um, so starting off with Napoli, I mean, it can only be one mark. Ten. Can't say like, no, it's, it's a 10 out of 10 for this for Serie A. It's a 10 out of 10 for the Champions League. They wrote history in the Champions League. They've never been to the quarterfinals. Okay, the Coppa Italia was a disaster, but I mean, who cares? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, yeah. it's it can't it can only be a ten ten. They they, mm. they they wrote history uh, in every competition, uh, that, the most important competitions anyway, and they won the Serie A for the first time in thirty three years. You can only give them a ten. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, nine point nine out of ten, and yeah. they've got. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give them because of that. Now that's fair because I'll give them what I gave them in for their mercato, nine and a half. I think that's fair because ten per overall, you have to be perfect, and they weren't perfect. So nine and a half out of ten, I think overall for the entire season. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Lazio. You have to give them a nine because who had Lazio in second spot? before the season started. And before, mm. you know, if you add Juventus 10, 10 points, they're still in second spot. Like, that is truly mm. remarkable. For me, that is an incredible achievement. And I was critical of Sarri that he didn't give a damn about the European competitions getting knocked out of two, the Conference League and the Europa League. But when you finish second spot, given where, and you're in the Champions League, you can't but give them anything but a nine. No one expected this. They played fantastic football. If I'm not mistaken, they had the best defence in all of Serie A. Second, Second best. best. Second best defence. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for large... Yeah, Napoli finished yeah, with the best, best attack yeah, and best defence. But la for large parts, uh, Lazio had the best defence uh, of the season. They had the most clean sheets, I, I, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, um, he had 20... What, he would have 21. Did Providel start the last game uh, of the season? If he did, he's got twenty-one clean sheets. He was twenty. He had twenty clean sheets before the before the before the final game of the season. So it will be twenty-one. No, it was probably twenty-one clean sheets. You mean unsure there? Yeah. Well, there you go. No, no. It's yeah, not, look, they they had the for large parts. They had the best defense in the Serie A in terms of numbers, and they have the goalkeeper with the most clean sheets. Even though I don't think he's the best goalkeeper in the Serie A, um, but mm. which tells you everything. And, and, and Sarri did it with, with defenders that aren't, might not exactly be ideal for his style of defending. I mean, the Romagnoli is not a speed bullet, and he likes to have quick defenders. But he found, he found a way. He, mm. This is what I mean, the pragmatic ideologue, Maurizio Sarri, finding the perfect approach, getting the most out of this Lazio side. Second spot is an incredible achievement by Lazio. Um, and they are now in the Champions yeah. League. And I sincerely hope I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit more grumpy. I'm gonna give them an eight out of ten rather than a nine out of ten, purely because I look at their points tally, I look at the number of games they've lost, and I also recognise that they're also there, partly because, as you rightly said, they've had a fantastic, done fantastically well. Sorry, done an amazing job. The, the defensive record speaks for themselves. Speaks for themselves. Um, you know, they've done amazingly well. Um, but um, at the same time, um, they're also there because all the other teams around them all had, well, let's be honest, terrible domestic seasons, te terrible Serie A seasons. Uh, and the points tally, this is the lowest points tallies we've had for teams 
uh, fighting for um, Champions League positions from second to fourth for, 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 for I can't remember the last time we would probably have to go back about 15 years when it used to be super competitive Serie A so so I think that's also partly it plus as you said um, you know Europe flopped and, and obviously Coppa Italia so I give it eight which is still a fan, which is still an excellent mark it's still an excellent one this is not me downplaying this season I just think that yeah I think we have to also take that into account but well, well done to, to Lazio Inter well, interseason isn't yeah. over yet, um, so there's a bit of a caveat here, because I think if I just look at the Serie A, uh, it's it's a failure. Uh, to me, it's it's more cl- it's closer to a failure than it is a. It, they pass, but they barely pass. They they they're the kid who turns up to the exam exam and just passes, just hitting the the pass grade, not because of the position <laughs> three third. That's a respectable Serie A position. But it's the twelve defeats that is unacceptable for an, for an, for an Inter side, no matter who is in charge or what year it is. Twelve defeats in the Serie A in one Serie A season is unacceptable, and it becomes really annoying because if you look at those defeats, eight of them were avoidable. Six of them they should have won. That's eighteen points. That brings Inter's tally up to ninety, and two of those they should have drawn. That's ninety-two. That means for the second year in a row. Uno scudetto buttate, buttate alla, mandata alla portana. Pardon my French. Another scudetto <laughs> thrown. No, please don't translate no, that. But, yeah. <laughs> but it really is. It really is. It's two scudetti now, you can argue, that they've thrown away. And what this is worse than last year because they were never in the race. Never. And that's just, to me, that's not good enough. There are, of course, mitigating circumstances for that um, throughout the season because it's been a very difficult and dramatic season. And Simone Inzaghi, I think, has managed to handle situations that he was was thrown at him. But that's part of the job. That's part of the job when you're the manager at Inter. That's part of the job when you're the manager at Inter, Juve, Milan. You have to handle it. And although I think he handled those situations well because he still won two trophies, he still got the team to a historic sixth Champions League European Cup final but the league 12 defeats is far too much so I can't overall mark as things stand today if Inter were to lose the Champions League final I'd give it a six and a half seven but if they win it overall it has to be an eight because Inter will have won the Champions League for the first fourth time in their history so somewhere between six and a half and an eight yeah, it is a tough one to analyse, isn't it? Because also, on the other hand, even if you do lose the final, just get into the Champions League final is still an incredible mm. achievement. Um, yes, you can say, OK, the teams they've played in the knockout stage haven't been, you know, super clubs, but look at the yeah, group. Barcelona. <laughs> look at the group and you've, you've got to the, and you've got to the yeah. final. Um, so, I mean, that is an incredible achievement and certainly worth marks, even if you lose the final. You won the Coppa Italia, okay, not not in a major competition. You won the Super Coppa, you know, it's the Super Coppa. But, you know, you, they're still cups. Um, but the league, of course, yeah. I mean, the league, at the end of the day, it depends how you want to look at it, isn't it? I mean, you've got in the Champions League. Uh, and unless you're going to win the league, well, I guess, does it matter that much? Um, maybe no. not. Um, so, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair in everything. I mean, if you win the Champions League, I mean, what mark? No, I, I, I give it. A, in that situation, it has to be nine. 
I mean, it becomes a, it yeah, becomes no, a nine. Yeah. yeah, it becomes a nine yeah. or even higher if you yeah. win the Champions League. You can't no, 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 no. Look, if you win three cup tournaments, uh, you know, that's and, and the biggest cup tournament of them all uh, for the fourth time in your history, that's, you know, then then it's un- unbelievable. But but there's again, this is why I keep coming back to the 93-94 season. A lot of similarities. Of course, that season Inter almost got relegated because they were so dreadful in the league, but won the UEFA Cup. But they were not never close to that. But in terms of the somewhat schizophrenic season that Inter have had, um, it's very similar. And also, of course, back then you had the Pellegrini ownership coming to an end. Things weren't really clicking. Got the same similar situation here with Suning. Um, you know, you had a squad that was that was a bit strangely built. You 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 know, it was no. It's it's. Um, I think we you know, uh, it, there's a lot of similarities with ninety three ninety four. But if they were to win the Champions League, which would be a miracle, let's be honest, that would be one of the biggest miracles in Italian club football history. I mean, just if you look at the disparity. Mm. You know what? Screw it. Into win the Champions League for <laughs> ten. I don't care. You can't get any bigger in football. You can't get any bigger nah. than football than, than winning the Champions League. So uh, nah, 10, ten, ten, for ten. Me, for me, nine because they will have won three out of four competitions they were in. Yeah. Okay. Right. Milan. It's a disappointment. The worst league defenders, the the title defenders that I can remember in recent memory. It just reinforces our view that last year's Serie A when we said that the winner is probably the weakest Serie A winner in, in a generation. Um, yes, I forgot. You know what? I totally forgot about yeah. that narrative. And and Milan, so many Milan fans yeah. were getting really upset by yeah, it. Yeah, they were. And, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't taking a dump on Milan's because they overperformed and they overachieved. Yeah. And I mean, you see them now, yeah. Milan fans are all on that. They're all on that bandwagon, demanding investment from, from the ownership now because they saw yeah, there yeah. was a banner. Yeah, there yeah. was a and banner. And they are absolutely on, on right. Game, yeah. we, we, Salto expect, di qualità. we expect the leap yeah. in quality. We ex- expect mm. a leap in quality. And and they are right. They are one hundred percent right. And this is what we were saying last year. You know, it wasn't it wasn't us taking a dump on Milan, it was us just, you know, looking at the situation in in a sober and you know, objective way. And I think it's they 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 wouldn't even be in the Champions League if it weren't for the ten point penalty. You know, that, that no, and I think that's it. That's 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 what you have to look at. You have to remove that ten point, and you say, okay, the outcome may have been a seven out of ten. The outcome, um, because you're in the Champions League, you got to the Champions League semi final, so you might even want to add some marks yeah, for absolutely. that as well. Maybe even say seven point yeah. five, maybe for getting to the semi final of the Champions League. The outcome, but we're talking about the outcome here, the actual season as a whole. I th- I think you honestly. The set, the, I think the semi-final of the Champions League takes it up to a six. Yeah, out that's of 10 where I am as well. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, I can't. I don't think I can go higher yeah. than that because they didn't qualify for the Champions League. Well, I mean, there is the counter argument, which I think is valid, and that is that well, had that had those points not been deducted, Milan would have, you know, like Mourinho was talking about, you know, we would have acted differently in that, you know. So there is that point as well. But the fact of the matter is. Everyone yeah, well, exactly. That. Well, that's Roman what I'm saying. Yeah, say I know, that. but I'm just, I just want to validate because I think that's a valid that's argument. Answer. But my yeah. point is simply this: you can't sit here and tell me straight and look in my face and tell me this has been a good season for Milan. You just can't do that because, because that no. would be. And you also got to remember, if, you, if Milan hadn't qualified for the Champions League, Rafael Leal would have, would not have been. Mm. They wouldn't have been able to afford to, to no. keep Rafael Leal. He'd be gone, and it would have been even more of a disaster season because their whole project could have been derailed. You know, would have been pushed back. It would have been pushed back so much. So. 
I think it has. Yeah, I, don't, I think it has been a, a it has been a bad season, with the exception of that semi final uh, uh, performance in the Champions League. And let's not forget they beat Napoli in the quarterfinals. So that was definitely the highlight. I think their Champions the, League run for sure. Season. I mean, the way they overcame Spurs, the way they overcame uh, Napoli. Um, you know, and, and I thought their group stage was all right as well. No, I, th- I think they they did all right. I think they they you know nobody expected them to reach the semi final. Of course, the luck of the draw is is also key, um, like with Inter. But mm. but still, they got to a semi final, and it, and that was a very that was that was money they would not they did not expect come in. And I think that's one of the main reasons why they were able to extend uh, and felt sure that they could extend uh, Leao's contract. Um, so. Mm. That that you know that that kind of helps. Yeah. Okay, Atalanta. Fifth, Atalanta. Let's zoom fifth, through these next. Two. Uh, that is, I did not have them yeah. fifth. <laughs> that I did not have. Yeah, I, I think I think they've actually done slightly better than expected. I think I had them. I had seventh, them seventh I think, as well. At the beginning of the season. I think I had them as well. I yeah, I had them there as well. I think they've done well. I think they've done well to have, to have, to have fought so hard until the end for a Champions League place. It's only been like a couple of games. I know, again, as I said with Lazio, this is also partly down to everyone else, you know, dropping so many points. I mean, if you if you objectively, if you look at Atalanta's final record, 119, drawn seven, lost 12. I mean, that's hardly outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It's not. Out, that's, those are not outstanding numbers. 64 points for the season is not an outstanding tally. You, you know, so... There's the other side of the argument, but you, I'd say that with for Lazio, I say that for Inter, I say that for Milan, I say that for Roma, I say that for Juventus, regardless of their points deduction. You know, these are not good points tallies that these teams have that these teams have got. So, but if you look at the outcome and you look at the final position, I think yeah, they've done they have done well. Atalanta to finish where they have, uh, and yeah, there's there's lots of positives. Um, you know, Hoyland for sure has been a fantastic, uh, another fantastic explosion at, at Atalanta among so many others in the recent years so yeah I think they've done well they've done very well Roma um, oh we didn't give them no, a grade I, Atalanta I, I would go seven, I'll go seven to seven and a half I'll go seven and I a half I think six, six and a half seven is, is where I'm with them yeah Roma I think uh, you know they I can't seven six and six and a half six six and a half. I mean, they they performed on par with expectation um, in the league. They overperformed in the Europa League. Uh, I didn't, you know, I had them as a dark horse to win the tournament before the season, but uh, in the end, they didn't. And again, the injury situation. Like you can't talk about the Stadio Olimpico anymore because Lazio play there as well. Yet another ACL issue. Okay, Tammy Abraham was mm. not. That was that was just you know that wasn't down to Trigoria because that you know you saw how he bent his knee. But again, the injuries that Roma have been through, something is messed up here. Um, they need like what yeah. is going on? Roma need at this the way that things go for the last five six years. Roma need forty players in order to be able to end the season with twenty healthy ones. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, most doctors will tell you that's just a freak. That's just a freak injury. The way yeah, Tammy Abraham. I, I get that, there. but I'm talking about all the other yeah. injuries. But but but, the, we, but we can't. Yeah, we can't keep calling everything freak and coincidences. Do you know what I mean? It's it's uh, there has to be something bigger at play there if this if this keeps happening. Um, you know, so yeah, it's sad for Tammy Abraham, and that's 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 bad for him, and it's bad for Roma then because Mercato now screwed. the summer transfer market. It's screwed yeah, because because he. I think he would. I think they would have. I think so him. as well. Um, there is interest. 
I think he would, I think have he would return to the Premier League. And he's an English player. He has, yeah. you know, he has experience. They would have, and he has yeah. value. And, and yeah. so I think that, that that was that was nah, that was that was the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, to that's thirty. That's 30, 30, 40 million at least that they can that they, that they could be looking at there. And, and now he's that's that's yeah that, that's that's really screwed them. That screwed Roma, and it's and it's bad for Abraham as well. It's it's, it's, it's Pretty much disaster. No, it's just a disaster all the way around. It ended in the worst way possible. And and now, you know, Mourinho, obviously, you know, now it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because Mourinho's made it clear that he wants to stay. Um, so now the Friedkins are in a, in, a, in, a, in a tricky position, how they handle the situation. But we'll yeah. see. I think... I think I think I think six and I think six and a half. If they'd have won the Europa League, I would have given them an eight. And I think they deserve to win the Europa League. I said it uh, last week. I think they were ridiculously unlucky to lose that game ignore all the everything around the, and after the game just based on the actual game of football they deserve to win that game um so it's, it's just very very unfortunate um Juventus I don't know how I, I mean, don't know what uh, to say about uh, that um I mean you can't you can't judge it just on the pitch but I mean you, I guess you could give a non-pitch vote and you could give a, a, a total vote for everything but um yeah I mean if you're doing a total vote I mean you're looking at you're looking at like Two out of ten, one out of ten. You can't get any more disastrous other than being relegated. You know, it's been a total disaster on a sporting level, on a financial level. It's completely fucked them. Excuse my language um, for the for the for the summer and for the next season. Um, and you know, they're going to have to sell players. And then they've got the managerial situation. They've got no one. Um, you know, they still need to sort out the, the upper management situation. Um, and but but just 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 everything this season the, the the results speak for themselves a second trophyless season um, that's only that that's the first time it's happened in thirty five years under the same manager um, the football they played has been has been terrible um, and the player development as well I mean we've seen it certainly with the top players with the attacking players has been has been terrible has been the regress the, the, the many of the players um, and. And uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, there's, the, it's a mess. The situation is a total mess going forward now. Um, so yeah, if you if you combine all that, I think you're looking at you maybe you're looking at one out of ten, uh, two out of ten. If you want to say, well, it could have been even worse. Uh, as for the actual, if you ignore the off the pitch stuff, I mean, <laughs> I guess on the pitch they qualified for the Champions League, and if that was, if you take it that as the situation, then you can say. Six out of ten, maybe, because they've qualified for the Champions League. But having not qualified for the Champions League, I mean, three oh, out no, of ten. I, four I, out of ten. I don't know what I mean. The, the, you can't blame the players or the coach for what happens off the pitch. Um, so I, I can only give them for what happened on the pitch, and I can't give them more than six, five and a half, six, because on the pitch they qualified in the top four. They got to the semi final of the Coppa Italia. They got to the semi final of the Europa League. The Champions League was a disaster. Um, but yeah, five, five and a half, six, somewhere there for on the pitch stuff. If it were off the pitch combination, well, zero. I mean, the, it, it's it's one of the most disastrous seasons ever in Juventus's history. It, it's been, just been a cluster. It's been a burning. It I mean, Juventus have five. had some disastrous seasons. Yeah, Juventus have had some disastrous seasons on the pitch in the past, and they've had some disastrous seasons off the pitch in the past. Everyone knows what they are. They have to go through them. I don't think I can ever remember a season where it's been equally disastrous on and equally disastrous off. Usually it's been one or the other. It's never been both to this degree. 
you know, ever. I can't remember ever to this degree. You know, when 2006 happened, well, they had a, they had a really great season and they had a great team. <laughs> this season, they've been it's been a disaster off the pitch and yeah. off the pitch. So yeah, they, you know, yeah, and on the pitch, they so got many the champions. Neg- they've broken so many negatives. So I mean, you know, I can't. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, you can only you're on, you're only you can only compete against the season you're in. If that makes sense, you know, they they they're not competing against the historic teams. They're con- competing against the, the the Serie A they're in, and in that Serie A they're in, they finish third, fourth. So. It's not great, yeah. but they still go into the Champions League. But then you have all this other nonsense off the pitch. The entire board resigning all at once because of their ridiculous criminal activities um, that, that are still being, you know, that the Juventus have acknowledged from a sporting sporting legal-wise legal sense uh, in the plea bargain, as well as being condemned by the FIGC for the Plus Valenza thing. And then you have the personal bans against the entire leadership and, board, uh, you know, the people who ran the club. Um, and then you've got the criminal cases still pending towards them. Now it's, it's, it's just, it's an absolute mess. But it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. Like, who does Allegri continue? Who's going to be the new sporting director? Are they going to do it in-house, which I think would be an absolute disaster? Um, or... You know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Yeah, we'll come to that in a bit. I should also add that this is this is um, only two defeats away, Juventus, this season from the worst ever number of defeats uh, in the history of Juventus, which is 19. Um, and Juventus lost 17 games in all competitions this season, 10 in Serie A. Um, so it's, it's uh, almost a historic season. That's another thing. Season. I mean, except it, for it, Napoli... What is this? Lazio, eight defeats. Inter, 12 defeats. Milan, eight defeats. Atalanta, 12 defeats. Roma, 11 losses. Juventus, 10 losses. Fiorentina, 12 losses. I mean, what is this? It's such a weird Serie A season. Yeah. They, but, but I mean, I guess on the one hand, that just goes to show how evenly balanced this league is um, because mm. no one's really... For a neutral, it's for a neutral, yeah. it's great. I mean, obviously, take away Napoli. They were the ones who were the most consistent it, and, and, and had the team that suited their coach the most, and he also got the, got everything out of them. Um, you know, so mm. so there is that. But other than that, like 72, 74, 70 points. I mean, it's, it's weird because at the same time, you've got twenty two wins, twenty three wins, twenty wins. It's it's so strange. It's such a uh, it's such a crazy season. Yes. Let's let's move on. Let's do our own Serie A awards now. We had the, yeah. the actual official Serie A ones that came out at the end of last week. We're going to do our own ones now. Bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. And, and <laughs> so let's start off. Best goalkeeper. We'll, we'll, we'll do one each. So Mike you go Mignon. first. Mike Who's your Mignon. best goalie? Mike oh, really? This, this Just for Serie A? Yeah, just okay. for Serie A. Because right. you said the I'm Serie A awards. If we're talking the Champions League, it's Andreona Nai. He's been the best goalkeeper in all of the tour- the the champions thing. It's not even you know that's just a fact. But if we're okay. looking at this, yeah. I'm surprised you went for I'm I'm surprised you went for Mignon. He was out for quite yeah. a while this season. And for me, I'm going Providell. I'm going for Providell. I mean, 21 clean Mike sheets. Mike Mignon uh, is the, he's a monster. I think. I mean, if you're asking me who's the best goalkeeper in Serie A, it's no doubt. I still Mike think Mignon. that. If you're t- asking me, I still think that the heights that Mike Mignon, despite missing all those games that he reached, no goalkeeper came close to. Onana and is the only one mm. I'd say that came close to that that, that level, but he's he, 
Oh yeah, and there's no doubt about that. In terms of actual, in ter- terms of actual apex yeah. heights, I love how we got that in there. <laughs> yes, the average apex height. <laughs> yeah, as for the apex height of the of, of, of the levels, I think I would go with Manon and, and Onana. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah, that no, those two, two are in the league of their own. League, but but I think if I'm looking at who was the actual best, well, best statistically, it's probably the there's no doubt about statistically. But I'm looking at. Robert Dell, but I think Vicario, I think Vicario was was, yeah, was excellent was. as well. I would I want to give a shout out I'm, to him. But so I'm going to go. Provedel. I think Vicario made a little you bit too many howlers for my taste, and Providel as well, in order to be a a the best goalkeeper in the Serie. A. Like I think some of the howlers they made. They, I mean, of course, it's still you know they're still developing. They haven't reached their peak, and Mike Mignon is is at the height of his powers. Uh, the apex, apex. Yeah. defender, defender. Well, best that's defender. the thing. You're you're pulling full backs and wing backs and everyone into one here. But if we're talking central defender, you can't go past Kim Min Jae. It's just it's. Yeah, well, I think you can't go past Kim Min Jae for full backs or for for centre backs. I think it's he's a clear winner for for me. I think he's been a an absolute revelation. I think that he 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 replaced Kalidou Kolubeli, who was somebody that's been an absolute pillar um, of Napoli for eight years, and he's just one of those big personalities and figures that are often so hard to replace at football clubs, whether it's a, a player or whether it's a coach, you know, which kind of people we're talking about that they've been there for so long and they're so hard to replace. And the fact that thinking that, that he's just come in there and, and he's, what well, he's, he's done better than Koulibaly. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's unbelievable. Well, he's, 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 um, he's played at a level. His num- his let's be honest. I think Kim and Jay has been the best central defender in the world this season. I don't think I, I think he's been by far the best central defender in the world. I don't. I, for me, he is. It's not even close. I, I Ruben Dias, who I love and respect a lot. I I think for me, Kim and Jay has been the most complete, aerially a monster, fantastic passer, tackles, read of the game. Nah, they they have a he he is for me the best. For me, is the best central defender in the world yeah. this season. His numbers have been amazing this season. He's got the most ball recoveries in Serie A, the second most yeah. interceptions mm. in Serie A this season, the fourth most aerial challenges won in Serie A. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, for me, it's not no, even close for Jay. him. He's The only person I'd probably put close to him is probably Di yeah. Lorenzo, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, in terms of... Yeah, but I mean, if we're, if we're including, like, wing-backs in that, I think or the full-backs, I think Teo has, again, shown that he is the best left-back. Like, he is world-class at a level that, on the wing, that no one else really comes close. So... Mm. Let's go to midfielder. Best midfielder in Serie A. I... I can't, it's so difficult because I think, look, I look at Barella and I think you, he's been really, really good. And I think he does, you, you can't say he didn't deserve to become this, the best midfielder in the Serie A. But then he had patches where he was invisible for a long time. Anguissa, I think, was unbelievable. Um, I don't think Sergei Milinkovic-Savic deserves it this year because I think he was so anonymous for large parts of the season, even though his numbers are good. Second half of the season, yeah. Second half of the season, yeah. he really lost. But still, he turned up the numbers. But look, I, and I'm, I'm going to go with, I think overall, I think Barella. Mm. I'll give a shout out for Rabio as well. It's probably one of the only very, it may be the only positive for Juventus this season. Uh, his numbers have been amazing this season. Best season of his career. I think 11 yeah. goals he scored this season, which is very impressive when you consider the position he plays and the way that Juventus yeah. play. Um, I think that's very, very impressive. The, the, the few chances that Juventus create and 
you've got someone like him scoring 11 goals. So I think that's very impressive. Um, I, I, I think it is difficult, but I, I can't look past... See, when I think of a midfielder, what do I want from my central midfielder? I know there's different types of midfielders. From my central midfielder, I just want someone that will dominate the midfield, uh, however they go about doing that. And I think that there hasn't been a midfielder in Italy this season who has dominated his centre of the pitch better than Labocca for Napoli. And, and he's my best midfielder of the, of the, of the season in Serie A because, it, I mean, tangibly, he's somebody that, you know, his statistics won't tell you much. He doesn't score... virtually never scores. I'm not even sure if he scored this season. He doesn't assist much. You won't see much on the highlights reels of him, but he will control and dominate. See, I think Angry Saar did that more than Lobotka. I think Lobotka was outstanding. I think the midfield was absolutely... I mean, that's the reason they won it, if we're perfectly honest, on top of, you know, Kricha and Victor. But the way that they control the midfield. But for me, Angry Saar was just unreal. (laughs) <laughs> some of the games this season. I thought Anguisa was amazing for the first half of the season and I think he did lose his way for a couple mm. of months. He was tired yeah. for a couple of months and that coincided with him going out of the Champions League and then he refound himself just in the last weeks of the season when the, when the title was won and that game against Inter he was really good in. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go for Lobotka because yeah. he's just everything that I go for in the midfield. He's Fair my enough. kind of player. Yeah. He's the kind of Verratti, Xavi, yeah. you know, that of. kind of... That, yeah. that, yeah, that kind of player that just controls mm. and dictates it and he mm. just makes never loses it. He presses really fantastically well as well. Um, so I would go for Lobotka. Um best attacker. Now this got is this to is be Victor Ossiman. This- I mean right, you mm. can't go past Victor Ossiman uh, for everything that he did this season. I I love Lautaro, but yeah. you know, Lautaro is still not the finished product. He's still a patchy goal scorer. Uh, Victor Ossiman, this is the funny thing. He scores 26 goals. He's missed a couple of penalties and he's also missed a lot of chances. That just tells you the high, like he's not peaked yet and he's already at this high level. I think Ossiman, as a striker, is is in a league of his own in the Serie A this season. I don't think. Yeah. No one comes close. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think for a long time in this season, up until maybe February kind of time, February, March, I think it was almost impossible to separate Ossiman and Cavada, mm. not just for best attacker, but just for best player in the whole Serie A. And, but then I think that Ossiman has pulled away yeah. from Cavada. If it was a marathon, yeah. Ossiman in the final, you know, few, like, few miles of the marathon, he's, he's, he's pulled away. And I think that we've seen that. I think Cavada has had an amazing season. Phenomenal. Uh, best, I mean, we'll come to best signing in a minute. Um, but I think, yeah, Ossiman... For sure, a couple can there, and he's just been relentless, relentless the whole season long. And you know, maybe it would be Napoli in the Champions League final now, um, and not Milan going through that quarter final tie if if he hadn't been injured in that first leg and and not fully fit in that second leg. I think that was obviously huge. Um, so yeah, Victor Osimhen for me, but obviously we have to give a shout out to Cavada, we have to give a shout out to to Lautaro. Um, like Dia as well, amazing. amazing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Next. Um, I need you to clarify best, best under-21 here because does that include players who are 21 when the season started? 21 and okay. under, yeah. Uh, no, 20, yeah. So uh, when the season the, started, they were 21 well, because Kvara turned 22 in February. That's more than half the season played when he was under 21. Okay, let's yeah. do that then. 21 me, at the start of the season. It's, 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 it
in not just in Serie A, but in all of the top five leagues, you you can pick on one, you can list them on one hand, under twenty one players who started mm. the season at twenty one, and and turned twenty two in the new year. I mean, look at the impact mm. for me. It's Hicha by no, no, for sure. I mean, Rasmus Hoyland, Rasmus Hoyland as yeah. well. Obviously, has been phenomenal, phenomenal in the in the in twenty twenty three. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, Kvara. Over the course of the season, yeah, there's 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 a clear winner there, and I think the best same transfer, the best yeah, transfer ten million euros. Best transfer, <laughs> are you <Kvada>. kidding me? <laughs> no, no, no. But there are competitors there. There are competitors there, yeah, no Kim doubt. Jay Kim Min Jae from his own team has been astonishing for eighteen million mm. euros. But you know, then you know we can we can go down. Ach- Inter, Acherbi, Mkhitaryan, Onana, Onana, yeah, amazing, amazing, uh, and then. Yeah, I mean, Atalanta, Rasmus Hoyland, amazing. Dybala at Roma, free For transfer, sure. has been a really a really fantastic signing as well. Um, so, that, yeah, there has been, I mean, Bulaidia, again, from Salernitana, incredible signing, and they're going to make a huge, yeah, huge profit are. on him this summer. So there's been some, there's been some, no, some the big signings, signings have, for sure. There's been lots of good signings. Best coach? Spalettone. I can't get past him. Yeah, um, Sarri in yeah, any I other season it'd be nice. Maurizio Sarri uh, but Spalletone you know the way that Napoli won playing the football they did the manner in which they did after the summer they had it was and and the and to be able to manage expectations in such a crazy place like Naples and to keep the you know despite with all the madness that always happens there with the with the curva and the ultras doing what they did and him trying to manage expectations and keep them grounded and keep them focused. It's not easy in Naples. Um, and he's done mm. a phenomenal job. You know, 90 points, third Scudetto, first in 33 years, playing wonderful football, charming Europe in the Champions League, reaching a historic quarterfinal, something Napoli have never been close to reaching. No, you can't. What are you going to do? What are you, you going to say? Mm. Okay. Let's go to worst we, player We missed now. the best sporting director. Best sports director. Go on then. Do best sporting director. Juntoli, no? Mm. Yeah, I think it's... Juntoli and, and, and no, the second no spot, Corvino. I think what he did with Lecce was this last summer is what he always does with Lecce and what he always does. Just pulls rabbits out of hats. Um mm. I have to give a shout out to Marotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you probably won't. No, Marotta, no, Marotta, Marotta look, except for the Skriniar thing, look, when you have no budget to work with and a shoestring budget and you have to make it work somehow and under those circumstances, Marotta did an excellent job. But look at what Juntoli did. That's fair. No, that is fair. Skriniar, I didn't think mm. of Skriniar. That is a, that is a fair point because he did cost them money there. But in terms of building the team, I think no, there's no, no doubt he's taken to the Champions League final yeah, with these players. And they've all... It's unbelievable. No, but he is. He is truly unbelievable. Like when it comes to stuff like that. Worst player. Worst player. uh... My worst player and worst transfer is the same, and that is De Ketteler of 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 Milan. Yeah, I I have Paul Pogba as the worst transfer because it's been an abject failure, Um, and and I think that's that's just the amount of money he's costing and what that turned out to be has been an abject failure. Um, yeah, and for for De Ketteler, yeah, I think you have to give it to him for being the worst player. Given what he, if you take 
zero goals and yeah, one if, assist. If you take everything into consideration, <laughs> if you take how much he cost, how much all of that, and even if you take into consideration, million, if you yeah. even take into consideration that he was, you know, that they built him for the future, which I, I'm not giving up on him, but you can't deny that he's been dreadful this season. And he looks scared. Mm. Uh, he looks so uncomfortable. I, I think there's no one, no one's happier in the Serie A that the season is over more than Charles de Kettler, so he can at least have a few weeks off and recharge his batteries and come back fired up again. Yeah, you could pick a few, to be honest, from Milan. I mean, there's Origi. Yeah, he was well. dreadful. Adli. I mean, the, I mean, these players, they're all... They're yeah, all, but Adli, I don't know, because he hasn't played at all. Uh, but And he's not really cost them that much. But Origi, yes, that's a very good shout. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's the same thing there with worst transfers, Origi would, uh, yeah, if we're talking worst transfer, if we were talking worst sporting director for the season, it would be Milan. There's no doubt about that. You reckon like in terms, yeah, fair enough. Worst, worst. I mean, if we're going by player by player, like who's performed, who hasn't, I mean, I think, I think it is Milan and we've got to remember they wouldn't have qualified for the Champions League if it wasn't for the, the points deduction. Yeah. You know, so I mean, we could go Juventus and say, "Oh, Juventus had a had a terrible transfer market," um, but you know, the, the points deduction. I, th- was, I th- uh, you know what? I'm going to change my worst player. I think Leandro Paredes. I think he was dreadful, given what he cost, <laughs> given what who he is and he, the, the experience he has. Now I'm taking the Kettler off because he's he's still young. I think Leandro Paredes because he's he he's just not worth it he's not good enough and i hope that no one that people see now what what we're dealing with here we are talking about a player who's very mediocre and is surround has always been lucky to be surrounded by fantastic players everywhere he's gone Juve, he was supposed to lead well that didn't work out well did it so for me what no he's he's not given a sh- he's given a shit his attitude has been yeah. awful every single game he's just turned up as if he doesn't yeah. care at no, all no you don't have to be an expert on body yeah, language no, no. to be able to see that. And also performances. Um, so, okay. no, I, I'd, I'd say worst player and worst transfer. Uh, I, I'd probably... Mm. I think Pogba's unfair because of the injuries. It wasn't really his fault. I'm going to go with both on Leandro Paredes because I think they were dreadful. Absolutely stinkers. Mm. No yeah. excuses. It doesn't just have to be the... the doesn't just have to be the player's fault, though, does it? Sometimes it can be, well, the club shouldn't have bought him. It was a bad signing by the oh, club. With Paredes, known about his injuries. Yeah, but, you know what but, I mean? So, yeah, I mean, in that case, you got to go with uh, with Arriva Ben and <laughs> the Juve. You know, worst player, worst transfer, worst, Arriva ben and, worst yeah. sporting directors. All three of them. Like, congratulations, Juve. He stunk up. Worst dressed, worst dress sense and colour coordination <laughs> as well. Worst, worst coordination of players in order to form a team, and worst coordination of, of colours to form a, to form clothes, yeah. <laughs> to form a dress. Uh, right, okay. Um, yes, let's go. Oh gosh, where, where can we go? Right, what should we do now? Let's do. Let's leave the coaches. So we were going to do a segment on the coaches and whether they're going to stay and go. We'll, we'll hold that to Thursday because we're going away. But we do need to, to speak very quickly on the incident between Roma fans and Anthony Taylor at the airport. We do need to comment on this. It's, I know it's a few days ago now, but I do feel like we should yes. comment on this. So the big question is, is everybody's seen the scenes of what happened where he was being accosted by, by Roma fans. Him, his, I believe it was his wife and daughter. Uh, that hasn't been officially confirmed, but I'm assuming it, well, that's who they were. Uh, and, and the daughter especially looked very distressed. Well, of course, was going she was on. scared. Um, should... Should should Roma, Roma fans, but Roma as a club, and Mourinho be held 
responsible? Should they hold some of the blame for what happened there with the fans in, in order of creating this kind of environment by their their behaviour? I don't understand why. Because what what exactly did Mourinho do that is that in any way incited this behaviour? Like, look, he was critical of the referee and his performance. That is well within his rights. If he used offensive language and said effing disgrace, and if you want to punish him for that, that's fine. But to say that that in, in and of itself is some form of, you know, incitement of hatred or incitement of violence, sorry, is is ludicrous. I, I just don't see it. It's not, you know, he said he thought the referee was dreadful. He thought the referee behaved, did um, did his job like he was Spanish. That's that's not that's not inciting violence. I'm sorry, the 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 P, that that that's on the, the idiots who behaved like idiots. I do think, however, that Roma should mm. put out a statement and distance themselves vehemently from that behavior. That I do think, and so should Mourinho. That I do think they should do because mm. that was reprehensible what they put they did to, to to that poor man's family. And his daughter, especially, she was scared for her life, um, and it was unnecessary. Mm. Uh, but to blame Roma and Mourinho as if somehow being responsible for this is what? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. Although we we should just to give the other side, we should say that this has been something that has happened with Mourinho in the past. Um, we saw it with Anders Frisk, your countryman, who you yeah, met. Yeah. Haven't you met him? Yeah, I Anders did Frisk? meet him, and I told him. I asked uh, him where Mourinho, he found those yeah, Mourinho extra was... minutes in the Euro 2000 final, which cost Italy the, the 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 title as well. I wondered where he found them, and and he didn't reply. Where did he, he find reply. them? Didn't reply. Didn't want to reply. reply. That. Okay. I said. No, I asked him. I was yeah, like, we're, we're, sure. we're bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's a uh, he's a nice guy actually, Anders Frisk. He's just, um, yeah, it is what it is. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, Mourinho, I, I remember he, he, there were claims that he forced, Mourinho was blamed for Which is ridiculous. No, but that's nonsense. How? Like, you know, he was, he, he reported honestly what he saw, UEFA investigated it, and that's what he's supposed to do. I mean, look, it's, uh, it's not Mourinho's fault, uh, any of that. They, they, they saw something, they reported would... it, UEFA investigated it and came to an, I mean, uh, should managers should managers be more uh, aware of what their actions can incite? Of course. Or should it be like they should just? Yeah, I mean, of course, you should be careful with what you say and what you do. But I, again, what was it that he said that incited violence? I don't understand. I, I really don't understand. He has a right to be angry and disappointed and and criticize the referee for mm. for for bad refereeing. That's just part of the game. Yeah. Uh, but but to go from that. To thinking that you can harass people at an airport, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Mm. I really, really don't see it. I would add two other. I would add two. I would add two other layers to this. And don't, please, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say here and, and and see it as victim blaming or anything. But two things here. First of all, UEFA. I mean, I don't know oh, who yeah. made the security arrangements. What were they? I don't thinking? know who made the security arrangements. Who made a decision to send him through a packed airport of Roma fans, um, <laughs> through the middle of them, um, with his it's family? Just... I mean, I don't know whether that was UEFA's decision or whether that was his decision. 
I don't know whose decision it was to bring his wife and his kid with him. Again, I'm not victim blame. I know this sounds like... No, you know, I don't have a problem you know, with him bringing his woman, family a, 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 a woman gets attacked. Why are you walking through a park at night? I understand that. I'm not trying to say victim, but I'm saying, you know... No, for me, it's, it's the lack of security. For, for me, it's this. not that he brought his family with him to Budapest. Yeah. For me, it's the lack of security. They couldn't... They don't have a VIP entrance at the airport. Like, I mean, they don't have a... I mean, yeah. come on. So when dignitaries and, and I don't know, you know, when when... People who need extra level of protection come through to Budapest. They have to stand in line like everyone else. They, they couldn't have. Done, I mean, this is yeah. this is this is where I I'm very critical of that. I think UEFA need to look themselves in the square in the eye and 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 take responsibility for this. The organisation, absolutely, that more than anything, absolutely, because this is something that w- this is something that we can change straight away. You're never going to change football fans being angry after their teams teams lose. I mean, it's just you're always going to have idiots yeah. in every fan base. Some fan base is a little bit worse than others, but generally every fan base has... But a look, my, I don't even want to go into that discussion. A, when you lose a big game, a final... I don't even want to go into that discussion. Yeah. For me, this is just... It's about risk minimization. And how do you risk minimize? By yeah. not putting the referee and his family to walk through the general, like, after a contentious final. It's so, it's so mind-bogglingly mm. incompetent, that that decision to me it's a no-brainer the referee yeah. and the people who are who are traveling to and from a final should not go through the like that area i, I, I don't it's just it's just risk minimization you just remove the problem from happening by doing that did you see what yeah. i'm saying i'm not i'm not like saying the, the wrong the, the idiots who behave like that were right no i'm saying remove the problem just don't allow the op- situation to occur by not letting the referee go through I mean, it was not. It wasn't just that. It was when he came to the airport via the taxi. It was, it was. Oh my God! They, they had. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think this would happen to to most referees, without a um, doubt, after a, a big game. Yeah. But so again, with so again, base, with any so again, base, I think why risk it? Isn't it better to be safe than sorry? Like it's just. Nah, I, I found it absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I felt that. I mean, we know that certain the certain peoples in certain positions in this in you know in all walks of life are are generally gonna you know politicians are one royalty referees uh, you know uh, like what did you expect to happen when you walk through like hundreds yeah. of Roma no. fans hours after they've just lost in a controversial. It's just unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Like, again, the situation could have been avoided. Yes, Roma fans shouldn't be behaving like that, but why risk it? Isn't it better to risk minimize so this situation Mm -hmm. doesn't occur by keeping the referee and his family as far away from the fans as possible in the name of security and safety? Is that not, like, isn't that the smarter thing to do without anyone saying that what those Roma fans did was okay? Like I mean, surely we can be able to no, understand absolutely. that. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't understand. I don't know what you know. So I don't know what the how how it works the security um, after games. I don't know who arranges it. You know, but even if I'm the referee Taylor, I mean, I wouldn't have personally me. I can only speak for myself. I wouldn't have walked through that airport. I know people say, "Well, you should." Yeah, be But it's not to about that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things you should you do, want. but then there's yeah. also reality, and the reality is, this is a risk. Yeah. It's a risk that can happen without saying that it that what they did was right. I'm talking about risk minimization. Make just avoid the situation from taking place in the first place, without placing you know absolving yeah. anyone of anything. The, 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 this situation could have been avoided entirely. That's the thing I'm talking about, and that I think is the people in charge of the referee security. That's on UEFA and the organizers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Okay, right. Just before we do a preview, Fiorentina versus West Ham, Nima, give us um, another little promo. Yeah, so we're proud to present a new partnership with one of our patrons, uh, Art Morelli. Art is a Napoli fan who's just started up his own merchandise shop called Red Sauce, and he's designed some of the coolest and nicest calcio-related designs we've ever seen. And he always donates a part of the revenue to a good cause. And in honor of Inter reaching the Champions League final, he's designed a stunning shirt named Fili della Notte del Cielo e delle Stelle, Children of the Night, the Sky and the Stars. And so the Italian Football Podcast is proud to present a partnership with Art and Red Sauce, where all patrons and listeners of the Italian Football Podcast get a discount code where they get $10 off of every shirt of this specific specific shirt, and where $5 from every purchase of that shirt is donated to the Italian Red Cross to help those affected by the horrible floods in Emilia-Romagna. So go to redsauce.bigcartel.com and click to the Inter shirt. It costs $40. Type in the code T-I-F-P-T-E-N, T-I-F-P-10, in caps lock, all caps, in the uh, in the checkout to activate the discount. Shipping away uh, available worldwide. And I think he's still doing pre pre order only, uh, or uh, so. So make 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 sure to go and check it uh, check it out. He will print out and ship everything to you. Um, and and like I said, after everything is all over, Red Sauce will make the donation to the Italian Red Cross and will send us confirmation of how much was raised and we'll read out how much more. For more information, go to redsauce.bigcartel.com. And if you have any questions, email him directly there. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, right. Fiorentina versus West Ham. Conference League final on Wednesday. The second of three finals for Italian teams. The first one didn't go our way. The second one, of course, on Wednesday. The third one on Saturday, Inter versus Man City. Champions League final. So, Fiorentina-West Ham. When we were doing our predictions for the, for the, for them, uh, the three finals, we thought that Fiorentina was the most likely Italian team to win the final? No, well, I had Roma, Fiorentina and Inter in that order from most likely to least likely. Right. Um, but, I, but I mean, it's not much. Yeah. As, as well, we saw, there wasn't much between Sevilla and Roma and Roma were better than Sevilla. Yeah. Uh, but, and I don't think there's that much between Fiorentina and West Ham either. Uh, it's just, mm. I, uh, I, I'm just scared that Italiano's naivete is going to cost Fiorentina. That's what I'm scared about. Mm. But it's a double-edged, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, it it, it could it, it it can go, it could go either way. I mean, the 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 clash of styles, I think, is what's the most interesting in, in this. We've got a team that plays very, very attacking, aggressive, expansive, modern football versus a team that plays very defensive, counter-attacking, dour football, uh, defensive football. Solid. No, um, but look, look. West you Ham talk about under, Allegri. Under, under no, David no, you Moyes. talk about Allegri. Uh, uh, Moyes makes Allegri look like Pep Guardiola by comparison. Like David Moyes <laughs> plays a f- literally plays like people did in the eighties. It's just there is no Scottish I mean, Allegri. No, 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 no. That's unfair because he literally plays like they did 20, 30 years ago. It's just get stuck in. You know, win second balls. You know, capital. You know, as Michael Antonio said himself, as a striker, you feed off of scraps. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that was is hilarious. His quote. I couldn't believe he said that. But I couldn't believe he said that about but his own. Uh, about Come his on, own everyone's got eyes to see with. 
The reason why Gianluca Schemeca has failed at West Ham is not because he's a bad player. He's a quality player. The problem is he's just not suited to David Moyes' football. With David Moyes' football, you have to feed off scraps. That's the direct and he's quote. just not yeah. used to that. And that's 110% <laughs> true. That's not even a criticism. That's, I don't even think that's a mean thing that he said. I just think that's an accurate description of reality. That's just how it is. I wouldn't like it if my player said that about me. Let me let me well, say that. Then don't play <laughs> like him. I mean, it's true. It's absolutely true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I can't believe he said that about his own manager. I mean, it was oh, it's brilliant. Uh-huh. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I think that is is like both teams are in good form going into this game. I mean, Fiorentina, I believe, are the most informed yep, team in Serie A since March. Uh, West Ham actually have been in pretty good form as well. If you look at their their recent form guide, I mean, they, they didn't play the last game of the season. They, they they basically didn't play it just on holiday mode for this game. Um, so you know, I, I think the form guide is is, is both teams. N- neither team are in bad form. Um, as I said, the clash of styles. I mean, we know Fiorentina. They they create a lot of chances. They have a lot of attempts and shots and goal. Um, they, they've had by an absolute distance the most attempts on goal in the Conference League. This season, they've had 259 attempts on goal. That's 83 more than the second place. And that's that's Ghent. And 90 more than West Ham. And that had nearly 100 shots um, uh, shots attempts on goal uh, more than, than West Ham. And they've scored the most in the competition as well. 30, 36 goals they've scored. And West Ham a, a second. And they've scored uh, uh, 27. Um, but then, of course, you come to the other side of it other side of the coin, and that is defence. Uh, you know, West Ham have the best defence in the competition. They've only conceded seven. They're also unbeaten in the competition. They won every single one of their games, drawn one. Fiorentina have conceded 16 in the competition, so they've conceded quite a few more goals than than West Ham. So, I mean, you can see where this game is going to be won and lost. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to analyse this game. We know Fiorentina are going to take the game to West Ham. I'm sure Fiorentina will have more of the possession. They will have more of the play. They'll have more of, I think they'll probably have more of the attempts as well. Um, it's just about, you know, can they put their chances away? You know, my reservations about their Fiorentina's attack with the exception of Nico Gonzalez. Well, my reservations um, lay in, in defence. I, I just don't trust them defensively. Well, yeah, that's what I was coming <laughs> on to. <laughs> I, don't, I, think, yeah. I think we're going to see, I, I think Fiorentina are going to score. My question, my issue is, will they be able to score enough to mitigate the number of goals that they will concede? Uh, <laughs> that's that's the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, and, you know... Yeah. I mean, I think West Ham won't have the quality that, that Inter have. So Inter, like Inter have an attack in terms of making them pay. But they cut bits. Regardless of that, they, they, they can't afford... They can't afford that kind of 15, 20 minute spell they had in the Coppa Italia final against Inter where they were just... They were, they were just Nimmer's meme, sleep. basically. They were, they were, they were like the meme that Nimmer always tweets out of a woman <laughs> opening up a. Uh, <laughs> don't know how to describe it without sounding crude, but <laughs> people that if you know, you know. Basically, if you know, I mean you know. <laughs> and you have created this narrative calling that Nima's gif or gif. It's like it's not my gif. It's from I think it's from Fear Factor, where you're supposed to like hold your your hands, you're, you're supposed to grab your feet and keep them spread for a long period of time. I think it's like, it, it's it's from Fear Factor. <laughs> and <laughs> that's where it's from. Yeah. Well, that was Fiorentina for 20 minutes. That's Fiorentina. That's, that's what they, they Italiano got, they, teams. Uh, defending is optional. That's, that's, what they've, that's, what they've, that's what they've got to avoid. But I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating from a historical point of view. 
it's, it's great. I mean, it's, this is Fiorentina's first European final in 33 years mm. since 1990. So, I mean, it would be great. Napoli win for the first time since 1990. Fiorentina winning their first final since European final since 1990. They lost to Juventus in the UEFA Cup final and that year. That was the summer that Baggio went to move to mm. Juventus. Um, and it's their chance to win their first title in Europe in over 60 years. 1961 Cup Winners' Cup final. And they beat Rangers 4-1 yeah. in aggregate. Your scored. Scored yeah. one of the most. He scored. And Enrico Albertosi was in the team. Kurahamrin, who scored that, that one of the most two. iconic goals in World Cup history against West Germany in 1958, when he's standing on the sidelines mm. waiting for them to attack. And then they don't. And then he starts jogging and runs through the side, on the outside, and then scores the, the goal. Um Look, no, it's it's yeah. uh, great player, and those two guys are yeah, still alive are. as well. Fantastic. See if you can get see if you can get hold of him, Nemo, before yeah, the game. Yeah, I don't know how old he is? He's very yeah, he's old. Very, he's, he's about old. ninety. And Marianne, his lovely wife, they live in Florence. Uh, she's she's very active on Facebook and social media. They are lovely people. Yeah, oh, right. and Marianne are lovely, lovely mm-hmm. people. Genuinely lovely people. Um, and no, look, he's. Uh, Hopefully, look. Fiorentina haven't won anything for a very long time. They need they they need this. Uh, the entire city needs this. The Comiso project needs this because this would smooth over a lot of cracks that, that have been creaking, and it would give them a kind of a sense of belong uh, feeling that they can you know they actually are onto something here. Um, and it would also secure your Europa League position, uh, football, which means three Serie A teams in the Europa League uh, now, because mm. of course Atalanta and Roma there, you can maximum you can have maximum of eight teams in Europe. Had Roma won the Europa League, then it would have been five teams in Europe and only five teams in Champions League, two teams in Europa League, and one in Conference League. Now, with that not happening, it's four Champions League teams, three and uh, one. Uh, potentially, mm. if Fiorentina win, so uh, and 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 of course, you know, if if uh, if Juventus get thrown out of the Conference League by UEFA, we'll we'll see what happens with that spot. But Italy are obviously guaranteed. It. Yeah, it is, it's going to be a historic game because also for West Ham, they haven't won anything in Europe since 1965. Bobby yeah. Moore, when Bobby Moore yeah. was the captain, they won that. They won the Cup Winners' Cup um, back then. So I mean, unless you count the Inter Toto Cup when. The Anglo-Italian Cup, that that beautiful cup that was between uh, that was between Serie A team, Serie B teams. Mm. Um, They that's the last time, if I remember correctly, uh, West Ham met Fiorentina in the Anglo-Italian Cup. Um, uh, Yeah. Oh right. uh, Oh yes, they did. Nineteen seventy-five final. Oh wow! Did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a unique competition. I, I used to go and watch that when I was a kid in the nineties. When I was at Luton Town, when I was playing for them in their youth team, we used to get tickets and we used to go and watch them. Uh, we used to go there and watch them in the in the, in the mid nineties. And they, they played one game. We had um, oh, who was it? Was it Marco Negri? Yeah. I think it was not Marco. Ne- was it Marco Negri? I think he said that yeah. oh, he played in one of the games. Well, anyway, going on a tangent now. But yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, they Did not know that. So this is a replay yeah. of that. Well, Fiorentina yeah, won that two one. So two one. <laughs> yeah. 1975. Yeah. So, so that's that, that's repeated in this. Okay, right. To finish off with now, let's do Padjo and Prem face of the week. Padjo Nima, 
I have, I have one. one too. Um, and it's uh, it's sim. It's a teammate of the one that you have. I, I think Cesare Casabe is is been outstanding in the in the under twenty FIFA World Cup. But for me, Tommaso Baldan- Baldanzi has shown what an absolute player he is. You know, he, he's been good in the Serie A. Uh, you know, he's been very good in the Serie A. But what he's doing in that tournament is ridiculous. It's truly, truly ridiculous. It, he, what a player. Look, I'm starting to think that maybe, you know, play with a Tricartista because to, to get the best out of Baldanzi if you can't turn him into a Metzala. Because it's worth it. He's so, so... What a talent they've got there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this this, this under-20, Italy under-20 teams having a fantastic tournament. Don't want to jinx yeah. it, but I think that... I think they can win this tournament. I said it, yeah. didn't I? I said it at the start. Um, I said I thought they can win it. And the way that the tournament's opened up now, they've got Korea, South Korea, in the semi-final. On Thursday, South Korea beat Nigeria after extra time yesterday, uh, and um, so it's, it's it's really opened up for them. And then in the final, they will play Israel or Uruguay. Um, so you know, Brazil went out, Nigeria went out, um, some of the other big guns. Italy knocked out England, of course. So the big guns, they're all got, they've all gone. You know, and Italy. I mean, Casade and Baldanzi have been without doubt standout players in this tournament. Casade has got I think six goals and he's got two assists. I mean. He's taken the tournament by storm. Baldanzi's been fantastic. Um, you know, just 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 so skillful, so creative. And and but there's been a lot of good performances. There's, there's, there's been a Jovener, the captain. I think I, I've been really, really impressed by him. Ambrosino. Um Esposito scored a lovely flicked goal. One of the the, the three Esposito brothers, uh, along with Salvatore and um and uh who's the other Esposito? Um one that's on loan, Nima. Um, Francesco Pio Esposito. Yeah, who's the other Esposito? Salvatore, Francesco Pio, and Pio. Uh, Sebastiano. Who's Sebastiano? That's it. That's it. And they think that Francesco Pio is the best of the three brothers, yeah. don't they? He's, he's, I think he's yeah, really yeah. the highest of the three brothers. He's only 17. Yeah, he's got a beautiful, a beautiful flicked goal um, uh, the other day. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, the whole Italy under 20 team, uh, let's give it to them. And, um, Let's hope that they can they can go all the way. It'll be great for Italy's development. Yeah, absolutely. Prem face. Yeah, you, you we've got the same one here. Okay, Steve McManaman. Yeah. Steve McManaman for his comments during the the Roma versus Sevilla final, where he remarked after um, some some certain behaviour. I think some diving from from Roma players that. Um, certain nationalities behave in a certain way, which, as we discussed on the Thursday show, is just a blatant uh, example of xenophobia, which is accepted in the, the English mainstream media. Nobody says anything about it. It's totally fine. You know, you can be as xenophobic as you want about Italians. doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it's, it's not okay. It's <laughs> just not go. okay what you said. I mean, it's basically stereotyping, saying certain people from certain countries behave in a certain way. I mean, do one, will you? Just do one. It's lazy and tiring and exhausting. And ugh. no, I didn't enjoy that. And a hallmark of the of the of the prem face in the in the UK media. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree one hundred. Yeah. Okay. 
Right, we've gone way over, but it was a big show. There was a lot to talk about today. Um, so we will, let's leave it at that. Um, thank you for everyone um, this season that's been with us. Um, it doesn't end there. There's so much more to come uh, over the coming days and weeks. Of course, we have on Wednesday the the, the final. So we'll have a, um, uh, a full uh, review of the, the Conference League final between Fiorentina and West Ham, as well as a full uh, extensive preview of the Champions League final between Inter and Man City. We'll do that on Thursday. Tuesday, we will have our Q&A episode. That is tomorrow. Uh, and then throughout the summer, we will be continuing to do our, our shows as as normal. We will be doing our, our Monday show. We will have a Thursday show. Um, we will be doing um, regular transfer uh, podcasts, um, bringing in transfer journalists uh, and others to, to to look at the market, to, to see what's happening, to, to analyse all the transfers and the the, 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 the mercato. Um, you know, those of us who have been with us, we know what we'll be doing. So we will be doing special shows as well on the big transfers that happen when they go through, players that come, players that leave. Um, there'll be lots to come um, during, the, during, the, during the summer. And we know that the transfer market is always, for, for many football fans, is actually the, the time that is is the most exciting and most popular um, for our for our podcast, which is strange, but it's um, the way that football is nowadays. People get more excited about the transfer market than they do about the actual football. So we will be doing lots of stuff on that during the during the summer. Absolutely, we will. We'll have lots of. Uh, uh, we'll be focusing on the mercato of each of of the main big teams and also some of the smaller teams, and we'll be doing reaction podcasts to big events and stuff like that. So make sure to check that out for sure. We also have the other twenty one euros coming up as yeah. well, and as well as the um, end of the under twenty World Cup. We also have the under nineteen euros. There's the Women's World Cup coming up, so there's, there's still lots of football going on as well as the as well as the mercato. And it's exciting times for Italy because we're doing really well in Europe. They are because the they're produ- so they're producing talent. Uh, despite you know you know they've Italy yeah they adapt even though Italian football is structurally a mess. They they do. It's still a footballing mm. country, and the, the well, it could be one positive, you know, with with what's going on. You know, you have to use more yeah. of your own players. You have to focus more on yeah. your youth teams. You have to you have to adapt your youth teams, modernize your youth. System. I think Italy have done that. Even if you haven't got the money, I think Italy have done that at youth team level. The problem is that when they reach to the Serie A, but I think that's okay. I think the more you have players excelling uh, talent, because Italy is a football country, they will always produce players, and I think it's. I think finally we're seeing a renaissance in the level and quality that Italy are producing. I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're staffed for football over the, the summer, um, there's all these youth tournaments to, to keep an eye on. Okay, right. Uh, let's leave it at that then. We will be back on Tuesday for the Q&A with our Patreons. Um, please do tune in for that. Until then, ciao, ciao.